Hello and welcome into another edition of the Most Accurate Podcast. It is episode number seven in 2017. I'm your host, Anthony Stalter. Along me is my co alongside me is my co-host, John Paulson, the senior editor for 444.com. And he's the man with all of the knowledge, and he's the one you likely tune in for when you're listening to this uh, podcast. John, how are we doing today? I don't know about that. I think I think uh a lot of people tune in for your silky smooth <laughs> voice and football stylings and falcon stakes, hot falcon stakes. I think people are looking for that rant. They they root for the Falcons to lose just so they can hear another epic Anthony Stalter rant. But absolutely. Uh, anyways, it's it's good to be with you again, John. Before we dive into the meat and potatoes of our podcast today, who brought us in? That was uh, Tara Lightfoot from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Uh, she is a roots rock singer. Um, that that uh, track is number two on her. Uh, 2016 album every time my mind runs wild the name of the track is no hurry uh so check it out on spotify all right let's dive into some of the bigger fantasy football news that affected the nfl this week and we'll start off with a report that just that was just released before we jumped on the podcast it came from espn.com's adam schefter that said the uh the chargers are still hoping to avoid it but first round pick mike williams might need back surgery on his herniated disc, and that would end his rookie season. Again, this is according to ESPN.com. Let's un- let's let's assume, John. Let's operate under the assumption that Mike Williams is out for the year because of this back surgery. Who benefits from from that for the from the Chargers standpoint? How does that affect Philip Rivers? Well, obviously, it was a it's a tough break for for Williams, who whose career is off track before it even got started. But, um, looking forward, uh, this is a big, this is a big deal for Tyrell Williams, who had a really good year last year, stepping in for Keenan Allen as the chargers. Number one receiver. Uh, he was number 12 in standard scoring number 18 in, um, PPR formats. And, uh, he really, uh, had a nice, nice year, uh, a big surprising type year. And when I went through and I just want to mention this, I, I, I like Matt Harmon's uh, reception perception series that he does. And, uh, I basically took his data that he had for all the different routes and all the different types of, uh, defenses that these receivers, uh, faced for his top 50, um, or the top 50 ADP, receivers and um, I boiled it down to one number um, and he, he sort of warns against this is not a great practice but I like to I like to do stuff like this just to kind of get a a feel for um, how this whole study looks at um, these different receivers and how they sort of rank against one another and uh, Tyrell Williams finished eighth out of 50 uh, in terms of this uh, success rate uh, against the routes or against the defenses that he faced and um the routes that he ran last year so he's he really had a good year uh there's not much question about his uh talent level and so the question is uh you know how many targets will he get um as the uh number two receiver likely uh for the chargers with keenan allen in as the number one receiver and and last year um williams saw 119 targets and i think He's capable of hitting that number again, um, probably more likely in the 105 to 115 range. But uh, uh, I think his 
his upside is is there and the, is a wide receiver too, and he's more likely now to to hit the wide receiver three uh, ranks and also the ADP. Uh, he's been forty fifth off the board, I think, in MFL tens, and I think that's going to rise now to where he's being drafted as a wide receiver three. Oh yes, John, I'm I don't want to dehumanize. No, no, no. You asked yeah, about uh, sorry. you asked about Phil Rivers too. I don't think this is a huge impact on him. Uh, they're they're pretty stacked there at receiver, assuming that Keenan Allen can stay healthy for a season. Um, with with Allen, with Allen Williams, Travis Benjamin, Dontrell Inman, who also both those guys, uh, Benjamin and Inman, also had pretty good um, games at times last year. And then they have a, a good two good tight ends with uh, Hunter Henry and uh, Antonio Gates. So I don't I don't really look at this as a as a downgrade for for Philip Rivers as all, at all. All right, good stuff. Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott. His name, um, unfortunately, is in the news again, and, and not for good reasons. Last year, he was drafted fourth overall by the Cowboys, and almost immediately there was a domestic violence incident uh, that occurred in 2016. The NFL was investigating that, plus some other off-field transgressions from Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, that would include, you know, he one, one time he was photographed in an, in a legal marijuana store, but that, that was almost like a incident that didn't seem like it was going to be that big of a deal. Then there was uh, another incident after the season, uh, specifically on St. Patrick's Day involving a woman that he knew and he, he pulled the, he pulled down her shirt. There was that. And now this earlier this week, there was an incident involving Ezekiel Elliott. Apparently he, there, he might be under investigation for assault. Now, there was one witness that came out and said that Ezekiel Elliott did not throw a punch. Um, there's been some that say he did, so I don't really want to comment on that. Uh, we focus here on fantasy football, John, so let's, let's keep that focus on fantasy football and Ezekiel Elliott. Given what we know right now, we don't know about a suspension, we think there's going to be a suspension at some point, but given what we know now, how does this affect your drafting of Ezekiel Elliott in the fall? Yeah, uh, we, we would like to focus on fantasy football. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> sometimes yeah. we, we're not, we're not able to. Um, I, I have to, uh, weigh these reports about the nightclub thing. Um, and right now it looks like, uh, I'm not going to use the phrase nothing burger. I'm not going to do it. Uh, right now it doesn't look like it's uh, a big deal. Um, it doesn't look like he was the one that threw the punch, but that could turn around pretty quickly and, and change his outlook in terms of uh, suspension. But there is the looming, I would call it a looming suspension after Schefter, uh, Adam Schefter uh, twice brought it up uh, recently uh, that, that uh, the, the investigation into Elliot uh, was still going on with the NFL. Like the stuff should have already been, if it was going to be nothing, there's going to be zero games. Uh, it should have been closed by now is the feeling. So he, he's Schefter is indicating that it's going to be a short suspension. So what I have done is uh, when I set up projections for running backs, I do 15 games because uh, I do 16 for receivers and 15 for running backs. And then I look at the other positions based on a case by case basis. Uh, running backs tend to miss more games than receivers. So I want that injury risk to be uh, within the top 200 rankings uh, reflected there. And what I did with Elliot is I took another game away. I've got him projected now for 14 games. He dropped, I think, from three overall in uh, in my top 200. Uh, if you look at one quarterback, two uh, running backs, three receivers, one tight end, and then a 12-team PPR scoring. Uh, he dropped, I think, from three to down to seven uh, behind LaShawn McCoy, uh, 
Julio Jones and uh, Odell Beckman, uh, Beckham. And uh, he's just ahead of Melvin Gordon, AJ Green. So if you're worried about the suspension, if you're a little bit more worried than maybe I am with one game suspension, uh, you might want to bump him down, uh, you know, past AJ Green, Devonta Freeman, uh, Jay Ajayi, uh range there because it does look like he's going to miss uh, at least one game. And that short suspension might mean two games. Um, and then, then again, if, uh, if somehow this goes to zero, then, uh, he gets back up into the top three conversation, assuming this nightclub thing is no big deal. Let's talk about Deontay Foreman. He earlier this week, and he's a third round pick from the Houston Texans out of Texas. He was arrested for marijuana possession and unlawful carrying of a weapon in Austin. And that occurred last Sunday morning. Now his attorney released a statement saying that Deontay had the handgun legally and it was legally purchased by Foreman and it was registered in his name and that there was a passenger in Foreman's vehicle that was in possession of the marijuana and that Foreman did not use or possess marijuana. Um, Regardless of how this situation plays out, what's your thoughts on Foreman from a fantasy perspective? Do you want to give our? You want to give the speech about how we're, we try to focus on fancy football? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I got to say it every single time. Here's here's the thing. The reason why I say that too, John, and and you know, I, I don't want to dehumanize the what's going on with like a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, right? But right. you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to shift from here's here's the the list of ten things that Ezekiel Elliott's got going on, and now we're going to talk about his fantasy perspective. But hey, that's what we do. So uh, right. I just kind of want to throw that out there. Yeah, and, it, and you kind of brought up the dehumanizing thing when I interrupted you on the on the Mike Williams thing because of the injury. Uh, that is a situation, you know, when there's an injury, it's hard to talk about uh, the who capitalizes. It's just, but that's just part of the right part of the gig. And now Elliot's kind of made his own bed with all this stuff um, and has kind of gotten himself into trouble or has been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I, would, I would classify Foreman's uh, situation. Uh, in the same in the same way, um, you know, the, the statement from the lawyer indicates that there's somebody uh, either that uh, was bringing this stuff along, or maybe this is the fall guy uh, for the situation. But either way, uh, he's in a little bit of hot water, um, and it's not. Uh, he does say that he's willing to take a, a urine test to to prove that he wasn't smoking uh, marijuana. So uh, that's another, I guess, uh, point in his category. But. Uh, uh, Foreman was one of my, uh, prime, uh, handcuff, uh, attrition, uh, you could call them zero RB targets, uh, at the end of the draft because his ADP was pretty depressed and pretty low anyway. And, uh, the, I, I think they're bringing him in to be the primary backup to Lamar Miller. I think he's pretty good. Um, so this will probably serve to, um, reduce his, his stock even more. And uh, he might be even cheaper at the end of drafts. I, I, I guess I'd be a little less likely to, um, you know, pick him up in an MFL ten where you can't uh, cut bait if you, uh, you know, if he misses four games or if he's out for the year for for whatever reason. Um, certainly, those chances have gone up a little bit um, as we get more facts in this case. Um, but it's just a shame from a from a zero RB standpoint that he's uh, less likely. Uh, to be a, a good pick at that point, like 12th, 13th, 14th round, uh, which is where he was going in early drafts. All right, before we dive into some other things that we have on the, the docket for you, 
want to let you know about Draft Ad. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try these new best ball leagues on our new favorite app, and that's called Draft. It's a season-long league, just like you play with your friends, but with no management. Just set it, forget it. Once you've done drafting, once you're done drafting, that's it. Draft takes care of all the hard work for you. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best score gets automatically selected every week. You can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of months, so you can join one right now if you want. And the best part, there are no salary caps And you can play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start from just $3, so there's pretty much a league for anyone, whether you're a a casual fantasy football player, you're an expert, you're a novice, whatever it is. They've got leagues starting at $3. It's great. It's so easy to start playing draft today. Just go to playdraft.com backslash 4 for 4. That's playdraft.com, the number 4, F-O-R, number 4, and you can join a game in minutes. All new players get free entry into Best Ball Draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code, which is 4 for 4. That's right. Play for real money for for free just for using our promo code, the number 4, F-O-R, number 4. John, let's talk about middle round running back targets. And is did Joe Holoka wrote, write about this? Yeah, Joe Holka. Uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe Holka. Uh, okay. I added a, <laughs> a vowel in there. <laughs> Joe yeah, Holka. Uh, yeah, Joe Holka. Uh, he has a uh, uh, rushing expectation uh, series. He did it last year uh, for us. He's doing it again this year. It's exclusive to, to 4 for 4. Um, and he's got a number of articles already up on the site. They're, they're dropping like every other day or every day. And um, it's great because it, it gives me a chance from a – rankings projection standpoint to see an objective uh, charting type uh, analysis of these running backs from last year um, or in the case of uh, Amir Abdullah, who we're going to talk about from 2015. Uh, he looks at um, uh, a sample of touches. It's usually quite a few over a hundred and uh, charts them based on their, how, how well they do in just in general rushing, how they do in the passing game. Um, that he looks at how many uh, times they're facing a loaded box or if they're facing a, uh, uh, seven or fewer in the box. Um, and then, uh, rush yards before contact and rush yards after contact. So lots of good data. He and I had a, a chance to chat earlier this week for, uh, about 45 minutes to an hour and just talked about, uh, cause he's done with all the analysis. So now it's just a matter of rolling out these articles. Um, and we talked about which players that he is targeting, um, as a result of this, which is good to know, and uh, we, he kind of asked me some questions about what he thought, what I thought of uh, workloads in different uh, backfields and, and whatnot. But uh, we've got a few uh, middle round running backs uh, to talk about today. So why don't you uh, take it away? <laughs> yeah, let's 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 talk about Mike Gillisley, and he signed with the New New England Patriots in the off season. And I know there's an article up four for four dot com right now. The Vanis discussing the fantasy value of Patriots running backs Mike Gillisley, James White, Dion Lewis, and Rex Burkhead, and how the carries might get divvied up. Um, so why don't you talk about what you think about New England's backfield and who who stands to pop the most in fantasy? Yeah, the article is by Chris Raybon, and it's really, 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 really good. Uh, 
he goes into great depth. Uh, he gives his take on the, the roles in the, the typical roles in the New England backfield. And he, his theory, uh, and the reason we bring this up, Raybon's article is because, um, Joe, Joe Holka's article on the New England backfield is not up yet. Um, so if you want to read about the, uh, the backfield split, uh, Raybon's got a great article up. But uh, Joe Holka loves Gillisley, uh, quote-unquote loves him, uh, based on our conversation. He did fantastic in the rushing percentile. He did 98%. Uh, he, he did really good uh, in rush yards before contact and after contact. So, uh, And he did uh, – his passing game wasn't um, uh, big enough of a sample to, to, to chart, but uh, he's he had a few touchdowns in the passing game uh, last year as well and showed some ability there. So uh, Raybon um, – looked at this and he thinks that the Rex Burkhead signing, cause that all happened prior to uh, Gillisley uh, being signed. The, the, he was an RFA and restricted free agent and got signed. And then the Patriots decided, or the uh, Jets, no, I'm sorry, the Bills decided not to match. And uh, the other guy that was likely to be in that role, the big back role uh, was LeGarrette Blunt. And that once they got Gillisley, Blunt just kind of went by the wayside so, uh, Raybon's theory is that uh, Rex Burkhead was never expected to take that, uh, LeGarrette Blunt role and that he was uh, a big upgrade on, uh, Brandon Bolden, uh, who's sort of the fourth, third or fourth running back and had special teams ability, uh, which Burkhead does. And then on top of it, Burkhead can, if, if something were to happen to Gillisley or their big back, whoever it was at the time of the signing, um, then Burkhead could also, uh, help in that role. And he could also back up as, as a uh, pass receiver as well. Uh, he's a very versatile back, but uh, Raybon thinks that Gillisley is set for that big back role. He's uh, very good around the goal line last year for the bills, uh, vultured number of touchdowns from uh, LaShawn McCoy. And uh, he's also just uh, a, a good runner as, as Holka is saying. And then he also on top of it, Raybon argues that um, Gillisley has the ability to, uh, stay on the field as a receiver, whereas Blunt uh, did not. And if you get into hurry up or if you get into a situation where um, you're trying to uh, run a lot of plays in a short amount of time, um, Gillisley can stay on the field for that. He might pick up a, f- a few extra receptions uh, than the other uh, big back in this offense otherwise would have if it had been Blunt. So uh, I've I've moved up Gillisley uh, fairly significantly in the rankings. He does have a ton of upside there is a significantly lower floor than some of the guys he's ranked uh, with because of the, the, the shenanigans that the Patriots uh, sometimes pull uh, in the running game. But, uh, you know, some smart people here have have looked at Gillisley and really uh, like his chances in this offense. Uh, obviously, they're going to have a ton of uh, red zone uh, touches, uh, goal line touches. They lead the league or, or up there every single year. Uh, so he's got a big upside there. And if he also adds... Um, some third down work and some pass receiving, he's going to be a real threat to be a, a finishes at RB1, even in PPR formats. Let's talk about Spencer Ware, who Joe did write about, and I love the headline here. I'm interested in your take. Joe writes that Spencer Ware's league-winning fantasy upside is being ignored. Are you as high on Spencer Ware as, as Joe is this season? Well, I had him ranked higher... Uh, I think than average, and I've moved him up a bit more after reading uh, Joe's analysis about this. Uh, there is this uh, perception that uh, the, the rookie there, uh, Cream Hunt, 
is going to come in and, uh, you know, win the job. But, uh, you know, Joe, Joe looked at where, and he actually, uh, finished with across the board, really good numbers, uh, in his rushing expectation. Uh, there was an issue. He, he started off the season really strong. And then there was a, a, a an injury to the offensive, uh, one of their offensive linemen there. He had a concussion and, uh, he didn't finish real strong down the stretch, but, uh, you know, as a chiefs starting running back, I think he's still over, 4.6 yards per carry um, and uh, doesn't look like he's going to just give up the job. And, and Andy Reid said that he's still a big Spencer Ware fan. Um, I think one of the beat writers also expects Ware to, to hold on to the job. So his, his ADP is depressed into the fifth round, sixth round sometimes uh, because people are expecting the, this third round rookie to come in and win the job. But uh, Holka argues that, uh, uh, the the rookie is uh, being brought in to upgrade as uh, over Kendrick West as the as Ware's backup and and uh, T.J. Hernandez uh, also identified Ware as a uh, positive regression candidate when it comes to rushing touchdowns as well. He had uh, he should have had more touchdowns based on his opportunities in the red zone last year. So this is uh, shaping up to pretty pretty good value pick in the fourth fifth round. Uh, and regular, like, uh, friends and family type drafts, he'll probably flip into the sixth, seventh round, uh, where, so that's a nice value there if you're, if you're looking at, uh, middle round running backs. All right. Joe also wrote about Amir Abdullah, and he says that the Lions, uh, Abdullah is the Lions running back to own in fantasy. And Abdullah has had some, had injury issues last year, uh, when they drafted him out of Nebraska. And there's a, a fair amount of, running backs on that Lions depth chart. But are you with Joe that Abdullah is the guy you want to own in, in Detroit? Yeah, and I've moved him up as well after talking with Joe. Um, he the, the thing here is with these middle-round running backs is you're trying to figure out who's the who's talented and who's uh, going to emerge with opportunities. And we know that Abdullah uh, is the choice of the Lions uh, to be their RB1, their main ball car- carrier. Uh, we also know that Theo Riddick is going to play a lot as a – third down pass catching back. So I think it's going to be those two. Uh, And I I would uh, expect that if Abdullah is as good as Joe uh, charts him, um, he he charted him at 87, 88% rushing uh, really good in the passing game as well. Uh, Did, uh, did well in in rush yards before contact and um, and not quite as well after contact, but uh, he also charted his uh, only game last year, his first game last year and did, he was outstanding. He tore it up. Uh, so this uh, looks like a, a breakout opportunity for Abdullah, but he needs to stay healthy. Um, his upside maybe isn't quite as high as if Theo Riddick wasn't there because, uh, you know, Riddick catches four or five passes uh, per game. And that's something that those are opportunities that Abdullah is not going to get. But if you're looking in the fifth, sixth round, and you're looking for a running back as your RB2 or even as your RB1. If you're, if you're going wide receiver heavy at the start, Abdullah uh, has a lot of talent. Uh, he's had some big games already. It's just a matter of staying healthy, I think, uh, for him. All right, uh, Joe, kind of harsh here with the title, but as Joe writes, below Powell, is the Jets back to own in fantasy because Matt Forte is trash now? Uh, do you agree with Joe that Matt Forte is trash? I think that this is uh, these titles are getting a lot of hand. Um, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I think that, <laughs> that maybe the site's experimenting with uh, different titles to see how <laughs> – how effective how they, they are. Uh, yeah, how they how many clicks they draw. But uh there is a big disparity uh just in the numbers when you look at uh, Powell and Forte and how they ran last year. And 
Uh, one thing I brought up with Joe in our conversation was that, you know, are we, are we certain that the Jets are trying to win? If they're trying to win, they're going to play Bilal Powell a lot because he's the best running back. But if they're not, um, they might roll out Forte more than they, uh, would, would otherwise, uh, trying to, to tank the season and get the highest draft picks possible. Um, but, you know, I think we're going to the season thinking that they're trying, <laughs> trying to win. And, uh, this is, you know, Powell's chance to be the feature back or to be the lead back. He did really well last year in that role. And, um, you know, they, they were kind of reluctant to give him, um, the big, big touches, but when they did, he showed he could handle it. And, uh, he was by, by far more productive than Forte. Uh, he's another seventh, sixth, seventh rounder that's there. I, you know, I'm less inclined to maybe, uh, draft him over Abdullah. Uh, I have to look at my rankings, but just thinking about it. Um, you know, you, you are worried about Forte lingering there as an early down and third down, um, uh, option for the Jets and, and, and how much, uh, uh, does he eat into, to Powell's workload? I think last year we were worried about the opposite. We were worried about, uh, uh, Powell eating into Forte's workload and it turned out, uh, that, uh, that happened quite a bit. So, um, yeah, he's, I agree with Joe that Powell is the best running back there and he's your best investment there in the seventh round. All right, a more conservative headline. Ty Montgomery has massive fantasy upside. This also comes from Joe, and it's one of the last articles we're going to talk about today. So Ty Montgomery merged on the scene last year. They drafted him out of Stanford. Uh, and, look, he's he was a running back slash wide receiver, played a lot in the slot, and he, he fared pretty well as, as you know a running back last year. But his size, some people didn't know if he was going to be a, a full-time back. What's your thoughts on Montgomery heading into this year? Uh, I'm optimistic about him from a, uh, talent standpoint. Um, I, I'm, my only concern is that he hasn't really shown the ability to stay healthier, to carry a big, a big, uh, uh, workload. Um, Montgomery's, uh, carries were limited, uh, in the, uh, regular season. I think he I'm pulling up his game log right now. Um, he only broke, uh, 10 carries, once he had 16 uh, carries for 162 yards and two touchdowns against the Bears. He was average, average 10.1 yards per carry that, that game. Uh, but otherwise was mostly nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, seven kind of carries. Uh, he was splitting time with Kristen Michael. Uh, Aaron Rakowski was also getting some time, but, uh, you know, in the postseason, uh, Montgomery touched the ball, uh, with more frequency, although he did get dinged up in, in one of the, the playoff games uh, as well. So I think my concern with him is not so much that his role isn't the RB1. It's just that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the Packers haven't, uh, you know, shown the the willingness to uh, give him 15 to 20 touches, uh, although he did have a couple of uh, 10 catch games. Uh, in the playoffs, he had 11 carries back-to-back against uh, Giants and Dallas. Uh, he also had six catches against Dallas and scored two touchdowns. So, um, he is one where Joe charted, uh, he charted very well. Um, and then on top of that, he was one of the highest in, in, uh, having the number of carries with, uh, fewer than uh, eight men in the box, um, seven or fewer, uh, Montgomery because of the passing game that the, that the Packers have and Aaron Rodgers and the three receiver sets and all that. Uh, they don't, he doesn't, he's not going to face a, a stack front very often. He didn't do very well when he did fa- uh, face eight or more in the box, but uh, he's not going to be in that situation very often. So I think in a PPR league, especially, uh, you know, he's got 
10 catch upside in any given game. He's working hard to work on his uh, third down uh, pass blocking to, to stay on the field uh, instead of giving way to Ripkowski, who, who was taking over that role uh, late last year. Uh, but as a pure runner, I think he's a lot better than, than people think, uh, you know, being a converted wide receiver and, and how late to the game he's, he's coming to this. Uh, he's got a real good chance to be, uh, you know, an RB, high RB2 in PPR formats, provided he can stay healthy and, and get those uh, 10 to 12 carries a game. And before we sign off, John, let's, let's talk a little bit about some early round running backs, specifically Jay Ajayi and then Gordon and Howard. Just some quick thoughts on these guys before we sign off. Yeah, this is a, a just in my discussion with with Holka and how he charted uh, JHI and uh, he has him listed as a target and uh, you know Ajay did really well across the board um, in his um, in his charting. Uh, you know, maybe not as as good as some of the numbers we saw for Gillisley or Ware or whatever, but if you're comparing him and his workload and probable workload uh, to guys like Melvin Gordon and uh, Jordan Howard, he does look like the best pick there of those three. Um, Gordon had some good numbers as well, did very well in the passing game. Um, uh, Howard had some good numbers as well, did very poorly in the passing game. Um, and those guys are, you know, you're, we're talking about three of the three of the running backs that have the guaranteed workloads, and that's why they're going as early as they are going. They're, they're guys that could easily see uh, 18 to 22 touches or 18 to 22 carries in a game. Uh, you know, they, they have... 25 to 30 touch upside in any given game. So that's why they're going where they are. Um, but uh, according to the numbers, uh, Holka uh, prefers a Jai to, to the other two uh, and definitely to, to Todd Gurley, who's also going in that um, second round and um, just didn't fare very well last year at all. Uh, and also had uh, has Lance Dunbar to, to deal with as a third down back. The only other thing I want to talk about before we uh, sign off is, is DeAndre Washington. I just saw his name listed here amongst uh uh, Joe's targets and he's, you know, he fared a lot better in the charting than, uh, uh, Jalen Richard did. And I've had followers on Twitter tell me that Richard is better, but according to, um, to Holka, uh, it's uh, not too close. Uh, Washington seems to be the, the, the attrition pick there in Oakland behind uh, Marshawn Lynch, who we don't know, uh, a, how good he is anymore. Uh, probably pretty good. Uh, but we don't know for sure because he wasn't very good in his last year in Seattle. And, uh, B, uh, you know, how healthy will he be after struggling with injuries in his last appearance with Seattle, uh, getting dinged up with his running style and all that. So uh, I think Washington is the attrition back in, in Oakland to own as well. All right, great stuff as always, John. You can follow John on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Head to 444.com to check out any of the articles that we were referencing throughout the course of the day today. Make sure that you nab one of those subscriptions before your fantasy draft. Trust me, you're going to use it no matter what. You're going to use the John's rankings throughout the year. Uh, you're going to use some of the information available. I absolutely love the site. The writers, I just feel like we got a great team right now, John, and uh, 444.com has never been better. Yeah, if I might add something, uh, there is a promotion going on where 444 is giving away um, five pairs of NFL tickets. Uh, and you just need, you, it does, you don't have to sign up from now on or whatever. If you already signed up, you can still enter. Uh, you get a certain number of entries for entering, then you get numbers, uh, you get entries for t- retweeting and all this other stuff. So I'll, what I'll do right now is retweet this. Uh, this uh, promotion uh, so that podcast learners can take uh, listeners can take advantage of it as well. Uh, you can find it easily on my, uh, on my Twitter at four, four, four underscore John um, so that uh, they can get on that. That's uh, that's ending in the end of July. So there's about 10, 
12 more days to, to take advantage of that. Awesome. All right, John, for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast.